0: I am uh, so glad that you're joining us today because we are in the middle of a series called Game Plan uh, that we believe has the power to change our church and as an extension of that, change our community forever. Now, uh, we're calling a timeout. That's what this series is about. We're, we're huddling up. We're talking about our next steps together, and uh, I couldn't be more excited about that Our mission here is to help people find and follow Jesus. And to get our arms around that mission, we need to drill uh, it down sometimes into specifics. And so we've set goals in areas of our church, like crews, which are our small groups, like children's ministry, student ministry, and and for our worship experiences. We we want to always offer a relationship with Christ to as many people as uh, possible. And we believe that the next goal is to see 200 people attending Love Lake Norman regularly. And in order to do that, we wanna to continue to be a healthy church. Healthy things grow. They just do. Uh, you, you have great experiences at, at places around you that are healthy, that are hitting on all cylinders. The, the, the church is no different than than that. Um, have you ever had a bad food experience at a restaurant? I know that, that I have, and I'm usually pretty tolerant with those uh, types of things. I've only ever walked out of one restaurant in my entire uh, life. It's not in Charlotte, and I can so I can talk about it. Uh, it's it's a little Mexican restaurant named the Three Amigos, and it makes my stomach queasy even thinking about it. Right now, I remember going into this place. It was really dark, probably to like cover up the dirt. We sat down and we ordered chicken tacos, and the tacos came, and basically it was like cold chicken, like like boiled chicken that had been diced and, and it was inside a cold taco shell. No sauce, no cheese or anything else, just like diced up chicken in a taco shell. And uh, what was worse is was, was the salsa that they serve to this day. I, I still swear that I was eating spaghetti sauce poured into a bowl, that's about what it tasted like. It was awful, it was so bad that we were laughing and kind of like gagging at the same, time during that experience, and so we had to just tell our waitress, look, we were sorry, but we just had to go. Contrast that with a lot of meals that I've had since then where the atmosphere was was like perfect. The food is incredible, the the service is terrific, and people are friendly and they're helpful. Great experiences make you want to go back, don't they? What are the trademarks of a good restaurant? All of those things. It's clean. It's got great service. It's got friendly people. There's, there's hot food. There's salsa instead of spaghetti sauce, right? Those are the kinds of things that make you want to return. Well, what about the church? What are the trademarks of a good, healthy, uh, alive Church. What are are the things that are attractive, that that make you want to return, that make you want to go back? What are the core elements that are supposed to exist in a growing, thriving church? One of the main elements has to do not with services or how great kids' ministry is or, or how well you're welcomed. We believe in those things. We do. And we put a lot of effort into those things. But one of the core elements of what makes a church attractive has to do with the individual attenders. It has to do with with you. It has to do with me. We've been talking about our game plan for how to accomplish this mission to help people find and to follow Jesus. And the the first part is all around the word invest. So we have been asking uh, this question, who are you personally investing in? Who are the people that God has put in front of us that we're to pour ourselves Into and the second word is invite. What does it look like to extend an invitation to those people in my life that I want to experience God with me? And and that brings us to the third step, and it's simply the word grow, grow. Because after you come to know Christ through an invitation, you aren't done. This isn't the end of. The road for you. Sometimes the, the church, like, like we make it all about the decision when really that's just the gateway, like that's just the entry point into the life that Jesus wants you and me to live, a, a life of growing in my relationship with, with him. The decision is just the beginning, you see, like it's not the end. So the next part of this strategy is to grow. And when we think about what that looks like, the, the best place to turn in the Bible to understand growing as a Christian is to look at the pattern given to us by the early church, the early New Testament church. That's what we're gonna look at today. In one of the most famous passages in the whole Bible, it's gonna answer the question for us. This question, what do I need to do to grow? Here's what it says from Acts chapter two. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The first trait of the church that we see is that its members were devoted. They devoted themselves. The first trait in a Christ follower is someone who is devoted. That 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 word, devoted, is full of meaning. Uh, when, when I was a teenager, and you guys probably know this if you've been watching at this point, I was, I was a huge basketball fan. I. Grew up in Raleigh, but my heart belonged to Chapel Hill, the, the home of the North Carolina Tar Heels, just a few miles away from our house, really. And one afternoon, my mom had taken my brother and me to a uh, to a doctor's appointment in Chapel Hill. So we went to the appointment, and then we decided that we would go over to the the Dean Smith Center, which is where they play basketball. While we were there, to see if we could just like check it uh, check it out. It was it was a pretty new building at that point, and I had never been. Inside, None of us had ever been inside, and so we walk in, and I remember my jaw dropping as we saw nearly 22,000 Carolina Blue seats in this massive arena, but that's not what grabbed my attention the, the most, because as, as we looked down onto the floor from way up above it, we saw the basketball team down there in the middle of a practice session. And somehow we got to like walk into this thing. It was right in front of us. And that visit made a big impression on me, not because of the size of the arena, not because of the championship banners that were hanging on the ceiling, uh, not even because of the star athletes that we were able to watch practice on the court that day. It was because of the way that I saw this group of individuals interacting together on that court the, the only way to really say it is that they were devoted in every sense of that word they were devoted to what they were doing they were disciplined they studied plays together and they they, they worked on them over and over again every player on that team ha- had a role there were scorers there were Passers, rebounders, pick setters, they were defensive stoppers, they were play callers, coaches, and they were like water bottle squirters, right? And, 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 and one thing became crystal clear to me that day that no matter what their role, everybody was dependent on everyone else. That, that team wouldn't work unless there was complete commitment from every single player. The scorers needed the passers to commit 100% to what. They were doing the, the rebounders. They they needed the defensive stoppers to do what uh, what they were doing. The team. They just seemed to really all get it. They had a they had a common goal, a common mission in in front of them, and they were working together to accomplish it with full devotion. It wasn't like any other team that I'd ever played on. The teams that I ended up playing on, they never functioned with that kind of dependence on, uh, on, on each other. The teams that um, I played on, we were mostly just like five people trying to like, increase our points per game averages at the expense of each other. That's what those teams were about, but I came away from that day thinking, I'd really like to be on a team like that someday. It was inspiring to me to see that kind of effort laid out on the floor, to see that kind of commitment to their cause, to see that happen, I think we would all like that we'd all like to be on a team that's pursuing a goal with passion with focus with intensity and doing that together another picture of devotion that a lot of us would point to is the devotion that the firefighters uh, that went into the world trade center displayed after those buildings got hit they were they were going up flight after flight after flight of stairs and and that must have been they knew at some point would, would mean their certain death. And it's not hard to imagine that, that since we've seen so many pictures of them through the years, it's not hard to imagine what that must have been like. These big suited up men moving quickly up the steps as the smoke gets thicker and thicker and the building gets hotter and the building gets, gets hotter and they continue to go, driven by their mission, knowing that people's lives were on the line, pressed on. And encouraged by that that commitment that they saw in one another. I mean, there isn't much clearer of a picture of being fully devoted to what you believe in than that, is there? Can you imagine having that kind of devotion? Knowing that there were people whose lives were on the line and risking all that you had to save them. There was a similar devotion That the early church showed. There's a similar devotion that we are to have as a church. Devoted to what? Let me ask that question. Uh, The Bible lays out four things in the book of Acts, four activities that are critical to the life of the church. It said, devoted to the apostles' teaching, we're to be committed to, in other words, to live our lives around the truths that we find in the scriptures. They were to be devoted to fellowship. We're to be devoted to, to, to each other, in other words. The early church prioritized deepening their level of community and relationships with one another. They prioritized meeting together. They didn't miss their small group, uh, you know, even if it was inconvenient for them. They, they prioritized the breaking of bread. We're, we're to be devoted to observing the Lord's Supper Together, And this was in many ways like the core event in the life of the early church, remembering that it was the body and the blood of Jesus that was the reason for their existence. They were devoted to prayer. These were people of prayer. They they held prayer up as this value. It was not optional for them. They experienced the power of God. And so uh, let's keep going and see what happens next. It says that everyone, because of those things, was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The second characteristic of this early church is that they should be, pre- that should be present in our church today is that they were filled with awe. In other words, there was a sense of anticipation about what God was going to do next. It's a great word, anticipation. The atmosphere was, was electric. They couldn't wait to see what God was going to do next. God had shown them that he was on the loose and that he was ready to help them at a moment's notice that he was there. And I, uh, I remember when I was growing up and my family visited the Grand Canyon, we had this kind of anticipation, right? Like, like we'd seen the pictures, but there was this excitement, this, this energy in the car as we, as we drove up. My brother and I actually you know, stopped hitting each other for a few minutes and fighting and started getting ready for what we would see. I mean, we'd we'd seen video, we'd seen it in movies, but we had no idea what it would really be like in person. And there was this sense of anticipation that we had, that that we were about to see something extraordinary in front of us, and we did. I'm sure you can relate to that. Maybe you've been to a similar uh, place where you couldn't wait to see it, or maybe it it was seeing a certain movie or meeting somebody important, Maybe it was something like that. A a healthy church has that kind of anticipation all the time. It's it's palpable, it's tangible. You can almost taste it. They they were experiencing God and they were thinking, um, who knows what he's gonna do next? Who knows what he's up to? I, I think we ought to approach the church like that, gathering with this expectation that, hey, God's gonna do something miraculous in this room, in this community, in our friends' lives even in my own life. So there's devotion to the cause and, and there's a sense of anticipation in the air as we wonder what's God gonna do next when it comes to this word grow. And, and let me just stop here and say that in order for those to be what the church is known for, you know what? That's what you and I have to be known for. That's what, that's what you have to be known for. That's what I have to be known for. What else, what else should we be known for? Let's, let's keep reading this passage. It says that all the believers were together and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. In a word, the church is called to be a community of love, of love. What kind of love is it? The church is called to be a community of love, but but what kind of love is it? Well, they supported those who were in need by by giving out of their own pockets. They they, they shared meals together. There's, There's something powerful about sitting down across the table from each other. You know, the, the Bible encourages us to do that regularly, to sit down across the table from one another. They, they worshiped together. And another way of saying it is they shared their love for God together. And in turn, everybody loved them. It says that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. It's amazing. They were a church that loved and they loved each other they loved people in the community they were known by that kind of love and why love because they had seen the model of how to do it there were those in this early church who had been near jesus jesus who who was god but laid the mantle of his rule down to live among us jesus whose heart broke for the people that he served so much so that that he wept for people who were so far apart from god jesus who befriended the sinners, the the tax collectors, the the prostitutes, even as church leaders of the day, they were condemning him for that, that's what he chose to do. Jesus who allowed himself to be crucified in our place so that we might live with him. You know what drove Jesus to be that kind of, of, of person, to do all those things? It was love, it was like perfect, love a love that looks past the wrongs and failures and, and, and into our hearts. And that is the kind of love the church is to adopt, that, that we're able to, to show each other and to everyone around us. It's the kind of love that we're to adopt. And, and then there's one more trademark of the church we need to talk about here. That, that last verse says this, when the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It, it, the church was an irresistible community. This was an irresistible community, a community living out the message that that has the power to change lives and to set people free. And it was irresistible to those who came into contact with it. The church was doing the things that a church is supposed to do without getting caught up in in all of the rest, without... uh, Arguing among themselves without letting pride get in the way, without letting differences divide them. And when the church acts like the church, uh, guess what happens? It's an irresistible place to be. People wanted to see what all the fuss was about. They, they wanted to be a part of something that was bigger than, uh, bigger than themselves, that was blessing their community. The, the, the whole was truly in the church, the greater than the sum of its parts. And that's what the church is like when it's functioning well. It inspires people. It makes us wanna live lives of higher devotion, a devotion to the cause. And, and when we see the amazing power of God at work in the church, We're in awe of it, and we begin to live and grow with a sense of anticipation, wondering, like, what what, what incredible thing is God going to do next? Ultimately, so that the church can be a place of love, a love that permeates every single thing that we do. There's a story that came out of the, uh, the 1850s that theologian Gilbert Bilizikian tells about a man who who claimed a tract of land on a hillside. And so he went to clear off the trees and build a cabin so he could bring his family out with him. And um, it was very difficult. There was the fear of wild animals at night, during the day, there was the heat, there were mosquitoes. And pretty soon he got a fever and his hands became bloody from the work and he became very weak but he continued. And, and when one day he reached the point of exhaustion, he, he collapsed on the ground. He, he knew it was the end and he was uh, letting himself drift off into what would surely be his death. And, and then in the distance on another hill close to him, he heard a noise. It sounded like a hammer blow. And then he heard another, and then he heard another. And He realized there was another person like him clearing the land and building a cabin. He realized he wasn't alone. And then in the distance, he heard another hammer blow from the other side. And and, and when he heard this, he rose again and, and with new courage and new strength, he took his axe and he finished the job. That was the kind of church in Acts chapter two. That's the kind of church we are called to be. That is the kind of person that you and I are to be where we know our mission and we're committed to it and that we're not alone, but that there's this common understanding in the community that we are doing this together and that's how we grow. That we are this beautiful work of God that is constantly expanding for the sake of Christ. Uh, Author and pastor Robert Lewis calls that kind of church a church of irresistible influence, that because of what it is, it cannot help but influence the culture for Christ, and that is who we are to be. And when you commit to grow, this third part of our strategy, to take part in the things the early church took part in, you are helping the church become all that it was meant to be, and you are taking steps to become all you were meant to be. So let me challenge you here at the end with three things from this today. First is this, reflect, just reflect on the inspiring, hope-filled place the church can be. And then reset, reset your priorities when it comes to your spiritual growth. And the third thing is renew. Renew your compassion for your friends and your family who may feel alone and disconnected from God and other people and need an invitation into this irresistible thing called the church. Let's pray. God, would you help us as we approach this this uh, this this game plan, this strategy for our church? Would you help us to invest in people? Would you bring up names in front of us, people around us that that we're pretty sure you've put in our path? Would you uh, help us to begin to? To have compassion for them and pray for them, would you also help us to extend invitations to them to step into your community, to step into a relationship with you? And then, God, for us as well as as everyone else that we are in contact with, help us to grow, help us to take steps into community, to steps to um, to to um, soak up your word, steps to to enjoy the fellowship of your church together, and to challenge one another. Uh, to to follow you well. Help us to do that, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.